Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to another amazing episode of <laughs> Race Miles of Race podcast. Uh, Carl, cut that. Um, that was not my problem. He said, that's not my problem. No, it was not my fault. You would think after, what, this is episode 25? You would think that I would be fresher and smoother with that drop, but... I'm getting worse. I don't know what it is, bro. I need to get it together. But anyway, oh, oh y'all see, y'all already. I was just gonna say, man, you're like you're fresh. You're fresh to death, man. I think you're awesome there. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. As you guys can hear, uh, if you are first off, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Before I get into the shout out of today's episode, you guys know, you know, Carl is here. He's the homie. If you are a true, real listener to this podcast if you've been rocking with us since day zero you know that voice they call that Ladies a ones they call it a ones a one yeah a one you know that voice ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the pod for a hit pick episode your main man jay live yeah I- come on here we go <laughs> If I had clapping, see, I'm gonna get some sound effects, bro. Like, if I had to clap, I would press the clapping noise, and it would be like, <sighs> "We need that." Yeah, get a soundboard, man. Go it's for okay. it. We need. I'm that. gonna get it, bro. It's one step at a time. It's one step at a time. But yes, Jay is back for a hit pick episode. It's always our plan to. There was, I guess, at the top, it was like, "Oh, did they break up? Did they break up? They break up the pod?" Nah, that was all rumors, y'all. Okay, <laughs> we're squelching the rumors right now. Squashing the rumors. Watching the rumors. There was no breakup. It was just expanding. We got bigger. Our family got bigger. Our community got bigger. And because of that, you know, Jay has other things he's about to get into. He's starting. And we was like, okay, well, let's change up the format a little bit, but we'll still bring Jay in for the Hit Pick movie episodes. And today, we are finally going to break down the history, the legacy of the Candyman franchise, specifically uh, highlighting the 2021 rendition that just came out it was really Can- good so, candy man yeah. candy man so you gotta be facing Can- the mirror see oh right okay you, hold on you don't hold have on. to what if Jay. what if it's like a what if it's like a window with a reflection does that count i think that works but it counts, <laughs> it counts. all right all right well, let's see if i can get us over there and uh jay don't do it bro <laughs> do not do it bro. um but before we break down this movie let me give a quick shout out to flojo's flojo's african fusion cuisine and catering is a cultural enrichment program that primarily utilizes african fusion foods to develop the well-being of the richmond community from their five pillars of community development cuisine culture diversity inclusion and identity they're located at 907 Floyd Avenue, Richmond, Virginia, 23220. Their Instagram is at Flojos. That's F-L-O-J-O-E-S underscore. So check them out. I haven't gone yet, Carl, uh, OJ. We should go. Because if you go on the Instagram and look at their food, man. Yeah, I saw the photos. They look great. Yeah, it I need some like... more variety and and the things I eat. Usually... Uh, the things I eat uh, are, you know, restaurants that have multiple locations in the area and they have neon signs and they have value meals. So I need some more variety. <laughs> one of the one of the things they had was like it was like a burrito, but it had like cheese 
and plantains and beef tips and sauce and oh it just looks so good it sounds great man man. so check out flow joe's y'all so i'm hungry (laughs) we're gonna need some food after this discussion because (laughs) i so let me tell you off right off the bat jay Candyman has been a weird subject for me right okay because I'm actually scared to death of it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Why don't it's you tell just... them the story? I mean, that you told well, me because that that was uh, that was a, a once in a lifetime uh, story. That was just such a, a amazing, scary, and in hindsight, uh, somewhat my, funny story. My coworkers listening to this and all types of stuff, bro. They're gonna be making fun of me now, just like my. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But just like other people in my life who used to make fun of me about this. But yes. Okay, listen. Here's here's the here's the tale that had me, that has gotten me so involved with the Candyman lore. If you're listening out there, you might remember when this movie came out in 91, 92, starring Tony Todd, the amazing Tony Todd. Shout out to Tony Todd. I don't know if he listens to the pod. I hope he does. It's me. It's me, Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Tony, we love you. We love you, Tony. So, ladies and gentlemen, this movie came out back in the early 90s. And you might remember it. But first off, before I, you know, let's let's just let's just put things in perspective really quick. The concept of a black man becoming a vengeful entity after dying at the hands of a white man or white people it makes sense, but you never expect this entity to kill black people. And that's the part that really scared me. Okay. When I was a kid, my mother rented this video from the video store. That's an investment. <laughs> it is an investment. <laughs> so it, did she tell you why she picked it up? My mother loves scary movies. Okay. Ooh, okay. So, so she loves scary movies. I didn't get that gene in me. Like I didn't get that. Like, that big H, little H. I didn't get that. Horror, big horror, little horror. I was the little horror, little horror. Two recessive genes. Did I get too deep? I, I, no, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> Two non-dominant genes of horror. Yeah. Okay. So she gets, she picks up the video. And I look at it. And immediately I'm intrigued, but also terrified. So my mother put me to bed. And she's watching her, you know, we watched our movie. Now she's watching Candyman. I sneak in behind the couch mm. and watch it. And it was its own punishment. I shouldn't <laughs> have done that. I shouldn't have done that, Jay. Wow. Because it was terrifying. I think, I mean, I watched one kill. I watched him kill somebody, whatever. And I, I ran away or I went back to sleep or whatever. Couldn't sleep. Though. So I was already scared of it for a little bit. You know, like I would get scared at the middle of the night. I would call my mom. Mom, you know, is it time to go to school yet? No, go back to sleep. Uh, okay. <laughs> you sure? Okay. <laughs> so years pass by. A couple of years pass by. I'm a little older. I used to go to camp, summer camp in Charlottesville, Virginia. And there was this camp called Tonsler Park. And me and my cousins would go every mm. year. And one random year. You know, we're, we're used to the park. Like, we're regulars. Like, we, go, we come every year. So, we, we know everybody. But one random year, there was this girl who was new to the park. 
And she was definitely on the spectrum. You know, she definitely had some mental health issues. So she had her, her older brother used to come as well to kind of look after her, but he wasn't always around. Like he would leave the camp. He wasn't really, he wasn't really a, a, a camper. He was just, he would just come and check up on her. So the other girls at the camp used to pick on her, used to pick on her, used to tease her all the time. Kids are awful, man. Like bullying mm-hmm. is crazy. And man, they used to make her cry, all types of stuff. And I remember she used to hang with us because they would kind of leave her alone and we were nice to her. But one day she got tired of it and they were like, okay, well, you want us to stop making fun of you, right? And she was like, yeah. And they were like, well, you got to say Candyman in the mirror five times. Oh, man. And she was like, and she was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm not scared. And I was just like, whoa, hold, time out for a second. <laughs> like, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert at Candyman. But I, I know something about the situation. I know that that's not something you want to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you do this, he's liable to kill all of us. And I didn't do anything. That's funny. <laughs> it's a very familiar so, response. <laughs> is it, I didn't do anything. Like, you going to kill everybody at the camp. One by one, he's going to pick us off. Mm. So the bathrooms are right next to each other. Those who are listening, you can't see my hands. But the bathrooms are right next to each other. Obviously, you know, architecture, they build the, the boys' and the girls' bathroom next to each other. And the only thing that's dividing those bathrooms, obviously, is a wall with sinks or whatever. And both bathrooms has a back door that leads directly outside. Okay. And uh, word around camp spread fast. Like, oh, she's about to do it. She's about to do it. So some of us boys, me and my male cousin, go into the male boys' bathroom. And the girls go into the girls' bathroom. And I had a female cousin who was in the bathroom at the time. But she said she was actually using the restroom. So she didn't see what happened. Okay, Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden, we just hear screams like ear shrieking screams coming from the girls' bathroom. So we scatter like roaches, you know. Like some boys go the other way. I I went out the back door because I was like, I know what just happened. The girls, there's some girls that come out the back door of the girls' restroom, and they're they're freaking out. They're like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's blood all over the mirror. She's gone. She's gone. There's blood. There's blood everywhere. It's crazy, man. So so the boys are like. Yeah, right. You it's crazy that you tease this girl the whole summer and just for an elaborate prank, <laughs> like you're pranking us. There's no way that that really happened. Like we didn't believe it. But they went to get the counselors. The counselors were freaking out. Uh they called the the uh her parents, they called the cops, the ambulances came, the fire department, the, the whole camp shut down. The whole camp shut down. They shut it down. Okay, so when that happened, Jay and Carl, I was convinced, like I'm convinced Jesus is Lord. I was convinced that Candyman was real. There was there was no like I was like, oh, yeah, it just got real. Like, this is Mm. real. This is real. It's like it was it was so certain for you. It's like, (laughs) oh, my goodness. It all makes sense. Candyman did it. I was like, this man caught. So look. So those of you who are listening right now, you're wondering whether or not that was real. But I have to tell the, the end of the story first before we circle back to that story. So years later, I'm in college in California, right? Me and my friends are walking down Hollywood Boulevard in broad daylight. And before me, down Hollywood Boulevard, walking towards me, is the legendary Tony Todd. He's walking towards me. Wow. And I freeze. I'm like, oh, my God, he found me. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> he finally caught up he to me. me. <laughs> he finally caught up to me after all these years. He's gonna kill me in front of all these people in broad daylight. I've been waiting. <laughs> That's for how savage I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> and my friends were like, "Why are you tripping?" And I'm like, "It's him." So he finally gets to us, and they're like, "Oh, it's not Tony Todd." Like, "Oh man," they shake his hand. They're you know smiling and talk you know, and I'm just like standing there, stone face, like not starstruck, you know, not starstruck, but like just kind of like I'm looking at his hands, you know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Is there a he's like. Anywhere? So he looks at me. He's like. Are you okay? You know, because he's a really deep voice. <laughs> yes, he does. He's like, "Are you okay?" You know, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm good, bro." But like, I was like, "Man, listen, man, I gotta tell you, you you ruined my childhood, bro." And he was like, and he was like, everybody tells him that every time he meets someone, he's like, "You ruined my childhood." And he was like, "Let me guess, Candyman, right?" And I'm like, "How'd you know?" And he was just like, "Everybody says that. Everybody says that." And I was like, "Listen, man, I don't mean no disrespect, but as far as I'm concerned, you you got one body on you at least." You killed a little girl in Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, she died. Like, no, 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 no. I'm about to circle back. I'm telling you what I <laughs> told on, him. I'm telling you what I told him because, again, I was convinced that he that the, that Candyman was real. So uh-huh. I was like, as far as I'm concerned, Tony Todd, the, the jig is up. Like, I know that you killed a little girl in Charlottesville with your hook that you're trying to hide from me right now. So he was. So he he laughed at that because he he was like, listen, go home. Right now, and watch Candyman. He was like, "It's still daytime. Watch it again." And he was like, "You'll see how corny it is, and how cheesy it is, and you won't be scared no more." And I was like, "All right, all right, cool." So we went. We immediately went home and watched it. And I was like, "Wow, he was right." So from that moment, I wasn't scared of the movie anymore. And now that I had met him, I was like, "Uh." Candyman can't be real because I met him and I watched a corny movie. Right. <laughs> there you go. Going back to the, the story, because that doesn't solve the story. I spoke to one of my cousins. and She said she didn't see what happened. But what, what she thinks happened is that they just beat her up real bad in the bathroom. Because she said mm-hmm. the lights did go out. And she heard a lot of movement, but she thought it was just people running. But what she figured is that a whole lot of the, the girls just jumped her. And after that happened, the, her parents, her and her parents moved away because she said she remembers where she lived was around the corner from her. And she said after that event happened, she moved her and her family moved away. Wow. And that's why we never saw her again. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened with the girl. Unfortunately, that happened and she moved away. But I was traumatized as a child <laughs> because of this whole ordeal. So when. This 2021 movie was coming out with Jordan Peele as a producer and Nia DaCosta as a director. I was excited, but I was also terrified because I was like, this movie ain't going to be corny like the original is. No, you know what they're capable yeah, right. of. I was like, this going to be scary. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to keep saying, like, talking about the original, like, it's the dumbest movie ever. I, when I say corny, it, I mean that yeah. it's, it's because of it's, it's because it's old and dated. It's a little like okay, it's not really scary. Yeah, Wait, the effects yeah. don't hold up. The effects don't hold well, up. Right? Yeah, because but movie, it's a classic movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not one I would say necessarily it's corny. I mean, I just I only have faint memories of it as well from when I was a kid. My, I think it was my my sister got it from the video store. You know, and watched the tape. I think it was in daylight too. Smart move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I just remember the ending actually, and that stuck mm. with me as a kid. 
seeing the ending and you know and just the terrifying moment uh, i'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen the original but uh there's a really terrifying moment yeah that uh that really just it's one of those endings that's like oh yeah the horror is still there it's not it's not gone away and yeah. uh, then it was like oh my goodness mm-hmm. ah, watch out watch out for those mirrors <laughs> carl did you have any experiences with this this urban legend not so as far as the content of the film, not the urban legend, but the legend around the setting of the oh, story. Oh, yeah, competing brain. Yeah, and, and my family there. I can go into that if you want to talk about that. Almost definitely. When we get to that, I definitely want to hear more because mm-hmm. that that's even why we're discussing this because it's not just a movie. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk, talk in this movie about yeah. real things that are happening. Social commentary. Social commentary, right. And this new movie picks up that social commentary and drives it home even harder. But yeah, but first off, just uh, some history on Candyman as lore or uh, uh, an IP. Mm-hmm. Um, it was created originally by uh, the legendary Clive Barker. He had a book of many short stories as these amazing authors do, they usually have a completion of different short stories compiled in one book. I believe it was the book of blood. Um, and he had a short story in there called the forbidden. And it was a much different story than what we got in the early nineties as a movie adaptation. The book Candyman is quite like different. He's yellow with pale blue lips and his race and origin are never really made clear in the book, in the story. I mean, he can be read as a white person, so it's kind of ambiguous there. But the story actually takes place in Liverpool. And actually, Candyman's director, the early 90s version, the writer, the director and writer, Bernard Rose, uh, he is a white male from Liverpool as well. So Clive Barker actually gave him the rights to make the movie Hmm. and call it Candyman and all that. But Bernard Rose changed the location. He like changed the setting to Chicago after visiting Chicago, actually, which is a huge deal, which we're going to get in later. But he went from writing it for Liverpool to, I don't know how he made his way to Chicago, but after seeing Chicago and I'm guessing seeing Caprini green, he was inspired. Like he was really inspired to, to allow this story to to grow here. He had, he made some other choices. Obviously, he made Candyman Black, and most people feel that Bernard Rose did a great job, and we're thankful to him. There's actually a lot of people that's kind of like, nah, bro. Like your adaptation of your adaptation of Candyman is it's off. That kind of was the motive for this new version, 2021. Uh, the reboot uh, sequel, the one we're breaking down today, is a return to Caprini Green's housing product, project, which is actually now a upper class gentrified apartments, which, you know, it's like apartments, condos and all that. And the movie is commenting on these themes while still staying very true to what the original movie set up in, 90, in the 90s. Yeah. So that's a little background on. On Candyman, obviously, you know, 
The first movie was made with Tony Todd. He did such a great job. He came back for two more movies. Obviously, the franchise started to decline after the first movie as far as popularity, but mm-hmm. the 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 movie itself and the, the movie itself is iconic. It's like what do you call it? Fan favorite, uh cult cult classic. Cult classic, yeah. It's a cult classic. And but the I would say the urban legend of Candyman was much bigger than the movie because 90s kids all over the place at sleepovers, whatever, everybody was daring their friends to say Candyman in the mirror. It was either that or Bloody Mary, but most of the time for me, it was Candyman, obviously. But Yeah, and have either of you ever done that? Have you ever, to this day, gone in front of a mirror and said his name five times? No. I don't know that I have. Me neither. I think I have said it, but not five times. I would never disrespect Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> Daniel Robitaille. <laughs> it's funny because Harry Potter does talk in front of a mirror or does look does. in the mirror, right? It's just a patch of that image. <laughs> I, I will. Candyman. Are you getting close now? <laughs> you getting close. He's like ready to I, fight him. I would never disrespect Daniel Robitaille like that. Daniel Robitaille is his name. Mm-hmm. Actually, Candyman is actually a slur, which is why he kills his victims when they chant it three, five times in the mirror. Oh, snap. Um, yeah. So I, I like to call him by his real name, his respectful name, Daniel Robitaille. Robitaille. But yeah, so um, yeah, Carl, can you give us a little background on Cabrini Green? Because that is our setting. Yeah, so Cabrini Green is a, a project development almost in the heart of chicago so when you go there you can you can still see some of the row houses there the the towers are gone and you can just easily walk to a lot of what the the gentrified areas are but even back when cabrini green was in its prime or when you can say it's, it was at its worst you can walk to popular destinations in the heart of chicago it was meant to be a place where either fixed income, fixed rate rent for poor or uh, impoverished people in Chicago could live. And over the years, there were many other projects associated with fixing it up, but not a lot of those projects worked out. And there are promises of that. You can see articles about the developments, the promises about where they'd displace or move those people. And eventually a lot of that did happen. The The mm-hmm. towers aren't there. Early on in this film, you can see the towers or at least one of the towers. And they were pretty much the setting for the, the original film. And those are now gone. Those are now gentrified steel and glass boxes mm-hmm. uh, contributing to the Chicago skyline. Wow. Um, so think of you know popular bars, uh, mm-hmm. fancy contemporary apartments, all that. Um, so that's that's where it is right now. A lot of the the property is either still being lived in by poorer people, mostly neglected or completely dormant or abandoned spaces or dwellings. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, even in this movie, in this 2021 version, we do still see some of the uh, you call them row houses that were still mm-hmm. up in Caprini Green. Yeah, so they shot on set 
on yeah. set. Yeah, in mm-hmm. in uh, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you know, we been watching this movie. First off, Nia DaCosta does an amazing job in her cinematography and how her vision. Her vision was really great of how she had approached it. First off, if you haven't seen this movie, you should watch it before continuing on because we're going to dive into it. Definitely some uh, spoilers here. Yeah, definitely spoilers. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but go ahead and watch it. Watch it during the day if you need to. You know, it's okay. Um, yeah, have movie... it with your breakfast. You know, just get some, get, some, get some eggs and bacon, have a cup of coffee and your candy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So if, if the, the scariness doesn't bother you in the morning, maybe the, uh, the I don't know, the general condition of America will bother you for the rest of your day. But at least you're not scared. Right. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's so much to actually say about this character. It's crazy. But yeah. the movie opens with Sammy Davis Jr.'s rendition of the Candyman. Mm-hmm. And you hear that version of it. And it's um, it's a little skewed. It's not like untouched playing. You know, it's a little skewed, a little scary a little bit. Maybe they drop the maybe they drop the tone a little bit. So it sounds a little haunting, you know, a little echoey. Um, but when we see the, you know, Warner Brothers, whatever, you know, and all that move around, it, you're hearing this song, The Candyman. And <laughs> it's funny. I have to, I'm sorry, mom, dad. My parents used to tease me by singing that song to me. No way. Yeah. Oh, they used to sing that no. song to me. Teasing me because, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't know. It to this day, they think it's hilarious, but it's just like I don't know if they knew. I don't know if they knew how terrified I was of it, or maybe they didn't care. <laughs> but it's funny, <laughs> it's me about that. But it's crazy how that's what they chose to play right there because it just—I was like, "Wow, here we go," and we're actually put in place to see a different, a different trauma happening. Like the movie opens with a different trauma. Mm-hmm. happening and just to give our, our viewers or our listeners some background again also with, with what i mean by trauma is the original Candyman, man uh, daniel robotai as i said played by tony todd he is the son of an enslaved man from the early 1900s right and daniel robotai becomes 18, this highly 1880s. Yeah, 18s, 1880s 1880s and Daniel Robitaille becomes this highly sought after artist by wealthy white people. And he, he, you know, while doing this trade, this job, he falls in love with a white woman. Mm-hmm. And in, and his, the, her father, and I'm sorry, he fathers her child, actually. They don't just fall in love, but he fathers a child. And when the woman's father finds out, he sends an angry lynch mob to kill Daniel Robitaille. And they kill him in the most gruesome way. You know, it's it's not just a lynching here, but they, you know, they beat him, you know, with the inch of his life. Um, they cut off his hand and, uh, you know, they put, they took a honeycomb and they, they smeared honey all over his body and they let bees sting him to death. And they even allowed their kids to come and take part, you know, take, you know, look at the, what they did to Daniel Robitaille. And one of the kids, actually, you find this out in later, later on in the trilogy, the original trilogy, that one of the kids actually took some of the honey with his finger and and ate it, you know, and said, hmm, Candyman. And that's where Candyman came from, was that it was it was a 
a slur. It was a diss. You know, it was a poking fun of. Mm. So obviously, Daniel Robitaille died a horrible, horrible death. And, the, you know, the, the lore is he transferred his soul into the mirror right before he died. Or, you know, he, so he becomes this vengeful spirit, right? He becomes this unrested spirit because the, the slave owners or the, the lynch mob scattered his ashes where Caprini Green is now sitting. So all of Caprini Green is essentially haunted by Candyman because they're they're on his ashes, unfortunately. That's wild. Um, so the movie, this 2021 version, opens up with a new person being targeted unjustly. We have a, a new guy. He, you know, he seems to be, I don't know if he's homeless or not, but he seems to be, you know, somebody that either the kids are really afraid of. Or, you know, he's just kind of like a guy that everybody knows that hangs around Caprini Green. It's been going around that a man has been putting razor blades in candy. So the cops are looking for this man. And we see we have a scene of finally meeting this guy. And he does have a hook for a hand. He has like, it's not a hook, but he, he doesn't have a hand on, one, you know. And he has like one of the, the medical claws. Uh, for a hand prosthetics prosthetic he is a prosthetic thank you carl and he is unjustly targeted by the cops and he is killed and they then they, they find out that he wasn't the guy like he wasn't the person mm-hmm. so he becomes actually our candy man of the movie but then we're taken to um the main character anthony who was actually in the original as a baby he was an original as a baby. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. I already <laughs> told you all. Really, <laughs> if you ain't clicked right. off this yet, you are in for it. But I wanted to I wanted to dive into even that the thought process of traumas and the concept of the concept of trauma impacting so black trauma impacting black people negatively. How how? Let's talk about that. When something like police brutality happens and and a black person is shot and killed unjustly, how does that negatively impact the black community? Other than the sadness, the the grief, the family has lost a person, how does that negatively impact it as a whole? Because what we see in Candyman is Candyman becomes a vengeful spirit that is haunting the same area that he was in. And it's mostly black people that's there who are being haunted. I don't really know the answer to that question. How does it how does it impact them as a whole? I think it makes us or you know, any group that's that tends to have a stereotype attached to a little concerned with their their general image. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I can just imagine that that like yeah, the impact that it can make on how people perceive you or people who look like you when a situation like that happens, and now that can mm-hmm. have an effect on the community and um, and even just over time have economic effects, uh, effects you know limits opportunities, and uh, you know which provides uh, which makes for more challenges down the road. I just just my my thinking. Yeah. It's um, 
is actually interesting you guys said that because the main character, Anthony, is also an artist, just like Daniel Robitaille. Mm, yeah. And he's also stereotyped for being an artist. He's too. also stereotyped for being an artist. Wow. And that a lot of, oh, it seems like a, a lot of white people appreciate him and, and his art, mm-hmm. like like Daniel Robitaille. Yeah. And, but, you know, Anthony is from Capitan Green. His mother still lives in Capitan Green. But he is, like you said, fancied by a lot of upper class white people who live in the gentrified Capitan Green. There's so much to be, there's so much to say there. Um, and I, I want to make sure that we're talking about some of this stuff too. But yeah, so in the movie, as we continue, so we, we get to meet Anthony. And we get to, you know, see that he's very talented. He's very sought after, just like Daniel Robitaille is. But he becomes enamored mm-hmm. by this story of Candyman. And at first he doesn't believe it, but he does it. He does it just playing around, doesn't believe it. But it starts to impact his life. It starts to impact him. Because he gets more and more obsessed with it. More and more obsessed with it. And because of that, it's it's almost like Candyman reveals himself. He's just like, yeah, I'm coming. Like he's like, and the thing about Candyman, y'all, is he, you know, some people he just jumps out and kills, right? <laughs> but some people he toys with. He haunts for sure. He haunts. You know, it seems as if he's trying to recreate the story. He's trying to, he's trying to make this lore this urban legend bigger and stronger he's trying to get more and more people afraid of said story yeah it's why uh, i the the why i think is it's gonna lead to even more spoilers but when they should have clicked off what's that they should have clicked off by now totally yeah yeah so for the folks who are don't care about spoilers and the folks who already have seen the film there is a moment at the end of the film where there is a police involved shooting and that's when the moment i think is it's not the climax but it is a turning point in the purpose of the candy man candy man's personal uh agenda is to help help people recognize there is an issue here and it's going to be cyclical it started in the beginning, the the razors and the apples and the candy thing. That's been proven to be a myth in a lot of Halloween stories. And mm-hmm. it just made the Candyman or Sherman, uh, the guy who fell for it, the scapegoat, which is common uh, with a lot of, you know, black involved shootings with police or even with, you know, catching the blame in other incidents as well. But I think his point is to kind of evangelize to that cause throughout the, the whole film. And Anthony is his, is his audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like basically that Candyman gets more power by getting, uh, be, by his story being told. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, what is the story? It's a story of an injustice. It's yeah. a story of, of, you know, of uh, what, you know, something that was a grave sin that was committed at the hands of, of people who didn't get really didn't get uh, to be punished for that sin. 
And so in a sense, it's, it's really just bringing forth the injustice that's there to, to the forefront. And the more that people tell of the, of the legend of Candyman, the more it gets out there. Yeah. Um, and even that leaping off the page for me, or leaping off the screen for me, because I feel like there are pockets, and I'm guilty of it as well. We live our lives, we go on about our day, but I very well could have been or could be Daniel Robitaille as well. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough to move away from you know, Northwest DC when I was still a kid. And, you know, I moved here to Richmond. I went to white schools for, you know, until high school, I went back to black schools, but elementary and middle was all white schools. And because of that, I did deal with a good deal, a good deal of racism and I've got to see it and I got to be like in it, but there's something to be said about the quote unquote ghetto that I left I didn't grow up in, I didn't, you know, I wasn't from a project, but DC definitely has its fair share of pockets. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's, you know, the same thing that happened in Chicago that's still happening in Chicago is still, is happening in DC right now. I mean, it's happening in Richmond. Pretty much any major city. Any major city. And, you know, I, I think about my cousins who never left DC, you know, who've never lived somewhere else. You know, I have a cousin who, uh, went to Virginia Tech and had a man. Uh, uh, it was eye opening for him because he had never left DC until then. There, there's something to be said about forgotten projects. Yeah. Forgotten pockets of land, area, communities that it, it, it goes for so long being ignored that it almost has to do something vengeful to get noticed. Mm. it has to do something that is shocking, you know, and it it says a lot about the fear because from the outside of these projects and ghettos, we, we, the only way we know about them is the stories is the headlines. Someone was shot and killed gang violence, drugs, rampant. All we know is about the stories. That's the only way we know about what's happening in these places. That's true. And because of that, we're afraid of it. Because of the stories and the headlines and the newscasts, fear is built up because of it. Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. And there's a lot of people who are afraid to go to these places, who are afraid to even drive past it, just like Caprini Green in the movie. Mm -hmm. Actually, in the original movie, the main character, Helen Lyle, is a film, or she's not a film student, but she's a college student and she's doing a thesis. She's a grad student doing a thesis. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a thesis on urban legends. Urban and legends. she picks Candyman as her urban legends that she really wants to focus on. Her and her uh, best friend, roommate, best friend, whatever, Bernadette, is a black woman. They both go to Caprini Green. And they're both terrified. And, you know, you see Bernadette. She, you know, I think she put, she brings a little gun in her purse. You know, she it's because she's heard about the the killings. Mm-hmm. And obviously in the movie it's Candyman. You know, it's the it's the gangs on the outside, but it's really Candyman. But she she fears it, you can tell. And when they meet Anne Marie, which is a, another character in there, that's that's Anthony's mother, actually. 
she meet and she meets Anne Marie, and she she realizes that wow, everybody in this project aren't gangsters and killers and thugs. There are good people who live here too. Mm-hmm. It's it's really odd how that how it takes infiltrating or you know becoming more intimate with the 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 place to figure that out. So I didn't share this earlier. My mother was adopted from Cabrini Green. Her mother died when she was about 18 months old. Her father mm. wasn't willing to raise her or her family. And everybody got out, uh, but not the same way. So my mother's brothers and her sisters all got out. My mother, I think, is the most fortunate. Mm. And she was adopted. She went uh, to the south side of Chicago. The rest of them were all in the system. Probably they aged out of the system and if they're not living today, they're still having a hard life. You know, they're either still in the system, um, you're re- being subsidized by the state of Illinois mm-hmm. or on drugs. And it's challenging because you can see the good mix of, of all those stereotypes play out. My aunt, mm-hmm. who we recently met, my mother met her for the first time since she was little a couple of years ago, is not, is not a stereotype by any means. Yeah. Um, but she's definitely traumatized by the impressions that people have on those communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, that's that's one of the many points that I, I definitely want our listeners to understand, because this podcast is, you know, one of our main goals is building community, mm-hmm. you know. And caring about community. And when we look at our city here in Richmond, you know, there's a reason why we do shout outs. To different restaurants yeah different you know there's a there's a reason why we do that there's a reason why you know carl and i will go to an event and film and talk about it and meet people there's a reason why we'll you know we we had a connection with uh philly vegan you know we did a video with them there's a reason why we do that is because if we can shuttle these smaller pockets and broadcast them then those small pockets become places that can get resources and they don't dry up because when they dry up, they will become Candyman, killing everything around it. And maybe that's why at the end of the movie, you know, we finally, so y'all listening, if you haven't seen it, please, you should have stopped listening a long time ago, but if you haven't got (laughs) off, I have to tell you, this moment actually made me tear up in the theater. Because it was so powerful. At the end of the movie, Anthony's girlfriend, you know, Anthony is part of Candyman's legacy at this point. Okay, you know, she she's the cops have her and she looks in the rear you know, the rearview mirror and she says Candyman five times. And Anthony he appears and he kills the cops. And she, you know, she's able to get out or whatever. And she walks down the street a little bit and she can see Anthony standing being weird Candyman weird <laughs> looking at the looking up at the wall and he's just like there's a whole bunch of bees and she interacts with him and he's like changing face this is almost as like you're seeing all the different faces of Candyman mm-hmm. and I'm reminded by all the people who who fall into police brutality and then the very last face you see the icon you see Tony Todd's Daniel Robitaille and he says, tell everyone. And then the movie ends. 
And I was like, wow. Yeah. And for a minute, I was like, man, what am I supposed to tell everyone? Tell everyone what? About Candyman? It's like, no. Tell everyone about the injustice that's happening. Say their name. Say their names. Say their names. You know, tell everyone about, like, man, the, the, the lack of resources, the lack of help, the lack of caring, you know? God wants us to care about people. It's the second, second greatest commandment. God wants us to care about people. He wants to love, he wants us to, you know, give it up to him first, obviously. But the second one is to care about our neighbors. And we live on this earth all together, seemingly at war. You know, people are suffering all over the place. Not even just in other countries, but here in Richmond, people are suffering. And it's, it's going to take drastic measures of love, not passive ones. It's going to take drastic getting out there and really investing into pockets that don't get no love, that people are afraid to go to. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up really quickly, actually, a good friend of Jordan Peele, Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Uh, amazing director, director Creed. Creed 2, Fruitvale Station. He directed the great, you know, Black Panther movie for Marvel. And he's, you know, he's doing Black Panther 2. I mean, he is, he's, he's, he's one of the greats right now. Like he's, you know, hot shot director right now. Yep. I mean, he's like A-list, you know, like he's up there right now. Ryan Coogler? Unfortunately, Ryan Coogler, Coogler, and it's not like he was mentally not too far away from this. It's not like he was blindsided, but he was banking at Bank of America and he was making evidently he was making a withdrawal of a like a big a large amount. You know, I mean it's you know this he has a lot of this money. This man is rich. Yeah. This man got a lot of money. It makes he's, sense. He's not asking for an amount he ain't got. No, that's a, <laughs> okay. That's a reasonable withdrawal right there. Right. This is reasonable. So he but because like I mean, I would do I would have done the same thing. Because this is a large amount and people are watching, you know, people, you don't know who's watching, you know, who's around. He on the withdrawal slip that we all have for our bank, he writes on the back, Hey, this is what I'm withdrawing. Can you please, you know, do like this. And, you know, I'm, he even puts on there, Hey, I'm writing you like this because I don't want people to know how much money I'm getting. Like, I'm trying to do it this way. He's trying to be he discreet. Gives, trying to be discreet about it. You know, he gives the teller his ID and Bank of America card. She says, okay, hold on for a second. She gets the manager. Time goes by. The cops come out with their guns drawn on him. Oh, my goodness. Evidently, they think this man is trying to rob the bank. <laughs> wow. Now, I, I want to go back mentally for a second to what we were just talking about, about Candyman. This could have been a moment in which we would have been mourning this man. Because had these cops been, just I just want to say for the sake of the story, these cops were African-American. Everybody actually involved were actually African-American. But it's almost as if, man, thank God these cops weren't, I guess, the wrong sort. Or... 
the 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 wrong headspace mental health space mm-hmm. because had they been some of these same cops that have committed these crimes we might have lost ryan coogler and that would have been hard to do after especially after already losing chadwick boseman and when man when i read this story i was like wow like it's 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 almost it's mind-boggling how much we can prejudge or the stereotype or just like jump to these conclusions of what we think is going on and believe them so wholeheartedly to where we're terrified of it. And because we're terrified out of that fear, we make irrational choices, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's the story of Candyman, to be honest. And it's, all of those things that we're talking about right now about the social stuff, it's it's what you see on screen. It's just that instead of, you know, a mentally unstable white cop, it's Candyman. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack, yo. We can talk about this for a long time because we actually haven't, as a podcast, Carl, we haven't like we haven't gotten to gentrification. We haven't gotten to redlining and some of those other things, topics that we're kind of saving. You know? Yeah. And uh before we wrap up, I do want to acknowledge that there's a great similarity to certain communities here in Richmond, since we are about Richmond for the most part, and that's the community we live in. Almost every community here in or, and or around the city, you know, followed by the name Court, has become one of those communities like Cabrini Green, Gilpin yeah. Court. Is one of them. Highland uh, Park. Yeah. Shout and, out to Highland Park. Yeah. So they they they're not being treated well by the powers that be in and around the city, um, mm-hmm. and even being pushed out for further development. So that's something we should be concerned about. Most definitely. I mean, you know, our our famous Jackson Ward. We were just talking about them mm-hmm. at a, in a previous episode, um, in another episode, not previous. I don't know when it's going to be out, but we were just talking about Jackson Ward and how it has a famous history, but that's another one of those pockets that you were just talking about. Yeah, there's now it's a just, highway there. Yeah, there's now a highway you know, there. Yeah, Candyman is deep, y'all. It's not just a scary movie, horror movie. It's There's a lot to say in it, and there's a lot of trauma and hard things to deal with, you know, in the movie, a girlfriend loses her, her man, you know, to this. And now she's scarred. She's left in a place of, of loss, you know, and just the, the horror continues to repeat itself. And it's still, it's still repeating itself today. You know, as I, I just shared, you know, the, the recent happenings with Ryan Coogler, you know, and he's, he's not a regular Joe like we are. This man is a like Hollywood A-lister, which, you know, hey, Ryan, if you're listening to this podcast, because I know you might you might be. <laughs> don't go to don't go to Bank of America no more, bro. <laughs> don't go to don't go to that. If you need somebody to do to run your errands, bro, I will do I'm honest. <laughs> there you go. I'm honest, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm look, I I God first in my life, bro. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I would never steal from you. If you need somebody to do your dirty work. Well, not your dirty work, but your your run your errands. <laughs> I got you, bro. No, Who's no, Ryan, man? Ryan, pick me, Ryan, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> yeah, pick Jay. Actually, me and Jay, me and Jay will go, and Jay will make sure that when I withdraw large sums of money, uh, nothing will happen. Oh, yeah, we make a good team, Dom. There you go. 
but yeah, most definitely that is, um, that is Candyman. All of it. Um, we didn't, we definitely had some spoilers, but we didn't go to, we didn't detail every nook and cranny of the movie. So if you want, if you listen to this and you're like, Oh, well, I don't have to watch the movie now. You should definitely go watch it. Actually, hopefully this inspire you to watch it. Yeah, it's, um, because it is great. It's 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 a good movie. I mean, there's some some great uh, some great sequences, and uh, you know the kill sequences are very well done. Uh, the effects are really good. I like the way the film looks, the cinematography. I, I specifically want to highlight just the uh, real quick. Just the there's a the story when there's the story about Helen, you know, and you know mm-hmm. being told, you know, and it's being told in this way with this like the silhouette animation oh, kind of yeah. looks like cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. and uh, really well done sequence yeah. that uh, reminds me of the silent film that uh, the, the adventures of Prince Ahmed, a classic silent film that mm-hmm. uh, felt like it was, had similar style and it was just like really cool and effective way of telling the story of the flashback, like of that tale. And, and yeah, I just think that's one of my favorite sequences of the film, actually. But I think it was definitely a very, very good film that, that touched on the themes that we were, we discussed tonight, and and was as effective in its uh, in its way of doing so. And uh, as well for anybody who's fans of the of the franchise and the original film, and anyone who loves Tony Todd, yeah, you you know it uh, it does uh, the do the do the original film justice. So yeah, Check I would have to say real quick, my one of my favorite parts before we we close here. Candyman kills the white art guru lady. And so the, the camera is panning. She's in a high rise. She's in like a Caprini green high rise luxury apartment. And she has this long window. Cause you know, it's the side of the building. So you, she has a long apartment and the, the camera is panning back away from this window. Mm-hmm. And as it's panning backwards, it was backing up. She she's killed and you see it, although you're a little far ways away, you see it and she gets killed, but she gets like cut on the throat or whatever and pushed up against the glass. And the camera is still backing up and Candyman just drags her across the mirror. I mean, across the window and her blood is leaving a red line. And I was like, wow. Candyman's redlining her. He's he's redlining like wow. a, a, a complete nod to redlining. Wow, you know. And I was like, wow, what an image! Like, what a picture! Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts. But if you haven't seen the movie, hopefully this inspired you to go go and see it. We love the movie, and obviously Jay. You know, we're going to have Jay back for other movie hit picks and stuff like that. Yes, sir. So we got there's a lot of movies out there and there's a lot to talk about with Jay. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Jay, so much for coming back with us, bro. It's always refreshing to have you on. Oh, my pleasure. It was um, real fun uh, to be with you guys tonight. Most definitely. Uh, if you haven't already, y'all, please uh, hit us up on Instagram at embrace underscore podcast or our Reddit page embrace underscore M.O.R. Thank you guys so much for rocking with us and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.